I want you to get up now. I want all of you to get up out of your chairs. I want you to get up right now and go to the window, open it, and stick your head out and yell, I'm as mad as hell and I'm not going to take this anymore! You're listening to the Hollywood Saloon. Journalism, the shabby journalism that is being practiced. The most awesome goddamn propaganda force in the whole godless world. Who knows what shit will be peddled for truth on this network? Mission aborted. And that's a page one story. None of it is true. <laughs> we'll tell you anything you want to hear. We lie like hell. Mission fizzling. Box office imploding. Good, solid piece of American journalism. None of it is true. Based upon the projected rate of return on invested capital. Based upon the projected rate of return on invested capital. Underwhelms at box office. Based upon the projected rate of return on invested capital. This is mass madness, you maniac. You maniac. Good, solid piece of American journalism. Okay, I just want to read you, before we dive in here, I want to read you some headlines that, that, that came out right after uh, MI3 release. Listen to these, these, these are pretty funny. Cruise crash causes paramount panic. Mission aborted. Cruise oh. bruised at box office. Ooh. Mission fizzling. Box office imploding. <laughs> Cruise's mission underwhelms at box office. MI3 can't accomplish expected earnings. Box office report... Insert Mission Impossible joke here. Wow. And then, of course, on the Drudge Report, we had the big title above the whole site that said, The Crash of Cruise. <laughs> now, the big question here is, you know, is this, is this, is this Tom Bomb? Tom Bomb. Tom Bomb. Tom Bomb. Tom Bomb. And, and that's the question, you know. I mean, we made jokes of when, when this kind of panic started with Kong Bomb. But we're talking about it now here today on the saloon. So hey, I'm Andy, and with me, of course, is Human Film Database John Jansen. Oh, welcome to a very special edition of the Hollywood Saloon. Very special indeed, <laughs> because we're gonna bitch you. A for very a while. critical edition of the Hollywood Saloon. Yeah, the disappointment episode. A very rant episode. Of. Yeah. So yeah, here we are, and today. We're doing something called Sabotage, and let me tell you just a little brief history of this episode and how it started. We really didn't have any intentions of doing this episode, but we were going to kind of do something like a uh, supplemental episode that we're going to throw on the special edition page um, to kind of cover what happened, you know, right after Mission Impossible was released. And uh, But, you know, we kept reading and we kept looking at what was going on, and it just extended and extended, and we bitched more and complained more, and we just said, this is something we got to talk about, because this is huge. I mean, and it's something that's going to really, that we think is really going to cover the summer in general. I mean, we're going to see this kind of stuff 
throughout the summer. So we wanted to wait until we got some of those second weekend numbers. Uh, it's Sunday, what, May 14th today? Hmm. And uh, like I said, we're looking at some of those second weekend numbers and seeing what we're going. But in all, what we really want to talk about today is just this. What, what do you say? This this crap that's going on. And, you know, let's you know, we're not doing another Apocalypse Hollywood. That's not what we're talking about today. We're not talking about the studios. We're talking about what's going on with the media and, and why this is happening. Well, and I think what's what's important to sort of put out front is what is our thesis here? What are we talking about? We're talking about the media reporting about Hollywood and the events going on. But we have to look at what they're reporting. How constructive is it? Is this information I need to know? And who is it helping? Who is it serving? Um, I mean, for years, when media was just a print, radio, and in somewhat advertising form, you know, the studios needed the media to promote their products. You know, then we started seeing like little portions of new newscasts dedicated to entertainment media and then entire 30-minute shows and hour-long shows. And now we're in the full 21st century internet 24-hour news cycle. Entertainment media is a 24-hour cycle. We're always needing stories and, you know, pushing, you know, this, that, this rumor, that innuendo, you know, build them up, tear them down. It's just, it's gotten worse. And what's happening now is because the studios release their box office figures, they have turned their business into a sporting event that now the media is not helping them on. Reporting the figures just aren't enough now. Now there's commentary on the figures. When USA Today started just putting the top ten grosses, that was all it was. It was a chart. There wasn't some writer writing about the woulda, shoulda, couldas along there with it. Mm -hmm. And this has changed, and this is drastic, and I think this is huge because this is a virus that's not going to help the Hollywood industry. The media is going to to kill because they have now put upon what I call the, the sniff factor, the whiff, the stink, the waving of the skunk's tail around a product that, A, didn't deserve it, and B, now has tainted the public's perception that has absolutely nothing to do with the movie itself or the quality of the movie but just box office numbers this is dangerous well yeah nobody is talking about the movies right well see and that's the thing is that and where i really uh pinged off of this is you know is that uh, and i'm talking no later than it was saturday uh late morning afternoon when i found the first article already knocking Mission Impossible 3 into the dirt. Already saying, below standards, this could be a bad sign. This movie is headed for bomb. You know? And they were already, you know, prognosticating doom for this film, even though, I mean, it had been actually released, you know, a matter of what, 24 hours or less. And it was already, you know, I mean, they were Kong bombing this thing already. And it just, it, it, it amazed me. And now, again, it's nothing that we haven't seen before. We went through this in in uh, December when Kong when Kong came out but I think that you know seeing it again it, it just it, it's starting you know I, I think the fear is, is that this is a trend where it, it's not reporting it's sabotaging it's saying mm-hmm. and for exactly what you were just saying is that what it's doing is rather than just reporting it's throwing that stink on there, and that stuff sticks because one person writes it, and the next person writes it, and the next person writes it, and then it becomes, 
you know, what's that old saying? If you say a lie enough times, it becomes the truth. Sure. And everyone's reading it. And, 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 and here's the part that got me the most is you go to your average moviegoer. Okay. And I'm not talking, you know, someone with a lower IQ. I'm just talking regular people. And you will hear them say, oh, I heard that uh, Mission Impossible 3 is not doing so well at the box office, so it must not be very good. Mm-hmm. So I think I'll skip. See, that's the danger here. And it's not that we're championing MI3. It's just the movie that w- it's, it's, it's in the cycle. It's, it's time to go through that. You know, a lot of that having to do with Tom Cruise's, you know, persona outside of the film. But I think the thing, like I said, is that to me it is important that we bring light to and talk about the fact that just because the box office isn't what was expected doesn't mean that this is a bad film because if you go and look at the reviews even go to Rotten Tomatoes you see it's it's got a fresh rating the majority of the reviewers um said this is a good film at the very least it's a great action film well and this is the key thing that I'm not finding in any of these articles that we're talking about no nope. I mean everyone has their theory mm-hmm. or their big should of the drop off you know, although it played in more theaters, it was ten million off Mission Impossible Two, which is Tom Cruise's second highest grossing opener. Right. And it was certainly off the sixty four million that War of the Worlds grossed, which was Tom Cruise's highest grossing ever. And I think what we're seeing here is a trend um of not talking about the quality of Mission Impossible Three. And, you know, forget the fact that part two was so weak that I would think anyone that paid money to see part two, why would they be in a hurry to go out and waste their money on part three? I think they want to wait and hear some word of mouth first, you know, to hear right. hear about how it is. Is anyone talking about that? No. I mean, they made a better installment this time. So it should be the story, if you're going to write it with that negative slant, should be is why aren't people coming out to see Mission Impossible 3 when it's a better movie? So then you segue into what you were mentioning about the Tom Cruise factor. Because listen to all these headlines. They're cruise, cruise, cruise. It is dump on cruise, and it's open season on cruise. Because let's face it, last year when all of these cruise antics were going on, they were gunning for cruise. But what happened? War of the Worlds opens, and it's Tom's highest grossing opener ever. They can't touch him. He's bulletproof. They can't write all these slanderous stories. They can't attack it because it was a hit. Yeah. And as you were, you were saying, I thought was a great quote was, you know, if War of the Worlds would have opened and Clive Owen was a star, would have still done 64? Maybe it had done 62. Yeah. Maybe it had done 58, but it was going to open huge. Right. Because it, it was, was the big Spielberg summer yeah, thing to see. It was all about tripods and special effects, not about Tom Cruise. But here we have a Tom Cruise vehicle, and it's it's like they've all just coming out of their woodwork. Okay, now we can finally get him because he's vulnerable. Mm-hmm. He's the big star. This is his third, you know, film in this franchise. Um, and and God, you know, nobody's writing about the fact that it's the best film in that franchise. All right. Well, and you know what else they're not talking about is the fact that the Mission Impossible one and two uh, opened on a Wednesday. Also, now I don't know if they're counting those two days in there. And I think and they, they also were opened Memorial Day Memorial weekend. Day week- <laughs> yeah, <laughs> that's good stereo. They did open on Memorial Day weekend. I mean, not everybody can just run out to the movies on the first weekend of May. Hello, mm-hmm. journalists. You know, just because it's your job to go see movies doesn't mean it's everyone else's job and mission to go see it right away. You know, people are not used to this. I have to see it opening weekend lifestyle. No, 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 no. Not opening weekend. Opening day, pal. Oh, I'm- 
Because remember, we got an article Saturday morning already talking about day one tickets. Day I mean, one. That's, that's just somebody that either A, is trying to be like one of those those uh, those ain't it cool bloggers or whatever. I'm first. I'm first yeah. and all that crap. <laughs> I mean, I got my story out first. Mm. I slammed Cruz first. I mean, that's just... That is a load of crap. And again, you know, all they're doing is sitting around waiting for box office mojo or whatever to print their figures so they can now justify their article. You take away those box office numbers, what do they have? Yeah, nothing. They have nothing. They have nothing to write about but the movie. Mm-hmm. And if we if they again, you know, echo chamber, if they just release the attendance figures, it would change the focus of what they're writing about. Right. You could say attendance is down, you know, blah, blah, blah. But we need to get the figures out of this, at least, again, you know, for the theatrical run and then just release what it made. But, I mean, I just I don't see how it's going to help anymore now that the media's agenda is to attack based on numbers and figures. Well, but you know what you had said earlier is like, where is this book of expectations? And I think that, you know, the book of expectations, number one, sometimes the studio themselves say ahead of time, we expect this film to make, you know, this amount of money over mm-hmm. this weekend. I mean, already, I've, I got a quote from, a, from an article saying that Sony is looking for Da Vinci Code to make a domestic opening weekend between 60 and 70 million. And and this was on, this was on Drudge uh, this afternoon expects in its first eleven days, including Memorial Day weekend, to gross 125 million. Now, if that indeed came from Sony, what do they benefit from putting those numbers out there? Is that just so that people will say, "Hey, I've heard that it's going to make a lot of money. Let's go." And that could be the A. The B is is it's a gamble on the uh, the studio to release that. But if it comes true, it looks like the person who who did say that knew what they were talking about. So it, it makes them look good inside their own studio. Um, and maybe they're intentionally lowballing those numbers, expecting them to be bigger. I mean, I don't know. They seem like pretty large numbers to me. But uh, again, they're, they're counting on the media to court that story. Right. And they're also counting on them matching those figures. Cause if they don't match it, the media is going to pounce on them. And it's going to become a story about well, how they didn't understand. meet expectations. Well, I, I think they're better. Paramount didn't release expectations for MI3, did they? I don't remember hearing uh, somewhere, anything about that. Somewhere floated in the, in the atmosphere was this number 65 million. Why? Why should this be Cruz's highest grossing ever? Mm-hmm. I mean, there's no Spielberg attached to this. So this one has to be his biggest grosser. Why? Because it's on more screens? That makes no sense. Well, I think... I mean, and it's the third film in an arguably tired franchise, so that makes no sense. Well, I mean, could it be that that it's all about uh, the budget? That that the 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 expectation is derived from the budget. That if it's going to make its budget back and be a profitable film, that it has to make you know. And if they look at you know the trends and well, if it opens now, and we know that Poseidon's next week, and we know that Da Vinci's the week after that. That to make people... a certain number, to make its money back, to make its one fifty. That on opening weekend it needs to make sixty five because of the rate of drop off traditionally will bring it in after those weekends well below what we need to make because I mean certainly so, there's a need to make on all these films right and there's also this blinded you know thing and it's all that it seems like the uh, American media press can only write about domestic grosses it's like the domestic gross must pay for your movie period. <laughs> I mean, Mission Impossible 3 made $118 million its opening weekend worldwide. 
Now, if they spent $150 million making the movie, I'm guessing by the second weekend, they're going to pay for the movie with a worldwide gross. Right. So everything else after that is going to pay for prints, advertising, you know, everything else that goes into getting the film out into theaters. So it will be already in profit before it hits DVD, which then will be a windfall of extra profits after that. So, I mean... You know, we won't know what the studio makes on MI3 until arguably this time next well, year. Well, and I think I think what we're talking about here, though, is that they're not interested in, in breaking even or barely breaking even. They're interested in, in, in a mega, mega hit. They but want everything on the they domestic. Do. They don't ever talk about the, the entire worldwide box office. Right. Which, how do you not... How do you not include that right. in your story? We make a product... And we sell it in every in all these stores around the world, but we don't include those figures. Yeah. Only the, I mean, you're not gonna you're not gonna take that foreign money. Of course, you're gonna take it, and you're gonna apply it against your budget, and you're gonna write it off on your taxes, and blah blah blah. So it counts. Well, to not talk about it is to not give, to not give the audience a complete picture of the financial, the true financial situation the movie's in. I mean, it's the same thing that we talked about with Superman. You know, I mean, they spent what fifty million developing it before Singer went out to go make his movie. Right. So if Singer spends one hundred eighty-four point five million, I mean, no, that other fifty million didn't have anything to do with him and making the movie, but it's still what the studio spent developing the movie. Right. So they're going to put it against the price tag eventually, but uh, you know, in terms of the grosses, it'll it's worldwide. They're going to count every single dollar that comes well, in. You know what you have to look at is what about I mean the perfect example of this is Kingdom of Heaven. You know, the way that it only I think it opened to like what, fourteen its opening weekend and that's what started the summer out last year. Right. And uh, you know, that was, you know, the beginning of the summer of Doom, the year of Doom. And uh, yet worldwide it did really brisk uh, business. Mm-hmm. I mean it, it was it was a hit altogether and they definitely made their money back and, and made a profit. And uh, that's what's so strange is that, you know, and, and some movies, you know, are just bound and determined that they play better overseas than they do here. I think Tom Cruise, you know, is a worldwide megastar and, you know, he will make that extra money uh, worldwide. Whereas, you know, um, if you think about something like uh, Adam Sandler, you know, I think traditionally his movies don't do so well overseas. You know, maybe people just don't get it or something. Mm-hmm. But... Uh, uh, but it's just not always the case that we need to just ignore that worldwide because, like I said, well, they, Kingdom they treat it like it. it's lesser. Oh, it's not important. Oh, you know, like it's of 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 lesser esteem or quality or whatever right. prestige. And a dollar is a dollar. Period. Right, right. The end. You know, is your movie is making profit? And the only people that that bitch and carp about this are people that have nothing to do with the film industry. Yeah, I mean, because believe me, if you're a producer and it was it was your you know, uh, idea, your money or your time and investment and your hard work that went into making in that movie, do you think you're not going to care about your international grosses? <laughs> you're going to care about every single dollar that comes in for your movie. Right. And I think if you're going to report about movies, to not include that in the overall picture and to deem a film a failure by not including all of the money that comes in for that film is irresponsible journalism. And it's not helping the industry it's not helping the readers because it's not giving them the full picture. So what is it? Well, and you see, and I think here's the key thing is that what you said, it's not helping the industry. Let me tell you something. This trash journalism 
They don't care about helping the industry. They care about getting first. See, that's okay, the gossip difference rags though can help. Good and bad gossip. You know, whether you're a rock star or a movie star or whatever, we know that can always help mm-hmm. in the sense. We're not talking about figures here, though. This is just about gossip about movie stars and celebrities. I mean, that's always going to be good promotion. That's why that bread and butter hadn't really changed in 35, 40 years. Okay? But this is a new arena now. I mean, large corporations own Hollywood. Everything comes down to a bottom line. Stockholders. Fear. And now... We're releasing all of these numbers to the to the uh, media, to the journalists out there, and this is what they're reporting. We'll see, and that's this is how they spin the stories. I, I mean, they're, they're basically you're asking the media now to sink you. They're they're putting up their targets and saying we can get back now at the big bad movie companies. I mean, what's been the bitch and complain for the last couple of years? They don't make good movies. They don't make good movies. Right. Well, hell, now they come out and try and make a good movie. But we're not going to talk about that. No, no, no. We got to slam because it didn't do a hundred million its opening day. Because it's like it's like what you said. It's become a race, and anything lower than expected. And it's because the window is so short. These movies have such a short time to make their big money that if they don't, it's doom and gloom, man. See, that's the deal. And and that and that it's easy for you know these journalists to just. You know, prognosticate and say, okay, well, let's see. I can do math. If it doesn't make this much by this time, knowing that the next movie's coming out in two weeks, it's gonna just gonna cream everything. You know, I can tell you that probably it's gonna get nuked. So you can actually. I mean, there's there. The scary thing is there is some validity to this kind of reporting, even though it is sabotage, even though it is not good. Let's you know understand the motivation doesn't matter because they don't give a crap about the studios and the millions they make i mean you got to remember while everyone loves to to champion someone and they love to support their star they also if 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 that star you know looks a little greedy or a little you know or he turns some kind of a strange corner you know they're out for him you know what i mean and they want to get him and 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 trust me you know after what tom cruise has gone through recently you know, uh, they want to um, completely, you know, they want to scalp him. You know, they want to teach him a lesson. They want to take a big a big paddle and spank his ass and say, you know, you know, don't talk this way. You know, don't talk about Brooke Shields this way and talk down to her. You know, I mean, they basically think that, you know, he, you know, and I'm not, again, I'm not championing Tom Cruise. But, I mean, you know, they think that he, he's got, he owns Katie Holmes, you know, in his little, you know, religious cult. And uh, it's 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 bizarre for people. I mean, I've even seen my wife go, "Ooh, he creeps me out. He creeps me out." And and you know, you were joking. We read in an article that uh, on Veronica Mars, they talked about one of the lines was, uh, "Ooh, you know, I don't want Tom Cruise to come around here. He'll try to marry me." And mm-hmm. it has become that way. And the big question is, can we keep them separate? You know, sometimes people can't. I've even been guilty of it before. You know, bringing in, you know, like when Robin Williams rants and raves about, you know. I mean, he he senses he he ceases to never end talking about how evil George Bush is, and it's just tired with me, and I don't want to hear about it anymore. So I don't want to even see his movies because it just poisons him for me. Okay, mm-hmm. I'm guilty of that, even though I should know better. I should be able to separate. Okay, but people do that, and they do it with Cruz. And well, and 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 then really to say something in your favor, it probably did save you from RV. <laughs> Yeah, I was lining up to see that, but I mean, then so I saw. Think about that, you know that that yeah. last Bush rant kept you from a bad movie. <laughs> well, well, hey, if, if Clive Owen had been in RV, would I have gone? 
<laughs> no. The Clive Owen factor. We just fit him into everything. Clive, you fit Clive Owen in any movie he works. And then he could question, you know, would it be the same or would it be more? Yeah. It'd probably be some cooler driving, but... <laughs> I mean, this to me all has echoes of the Waterworld factor. Mm-hmm. To where Waterworld, oh, that bomb, that stinker. Waterworld made money mm-hmm. when it when you add in all the money. See, no one wants to add in, you know, the the, the international grosses, the videotapes, the cable, the you know, all of the other um, monies that come in that are attributed to a motion picture cost. You know, it's like you can't write this article until like a year or two down the See, line and that's when the a problem. movie comes out. See, that's the problem. They don't want to wait. They want to write the article today. They want to right. write the article the next day. It has to be a hit or a minus. We we can't we can't do this waiting game for all the numbers to come in. Mm-hmm. You know, no, 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 no. We got we got to report these these grosses by Monday morning. You know, we need to know if we're slamming it or for it or against right. it or, or whatever. Well, and they have to make their little their little uh, you know quickie little headlines. I mean, listen to that one I said, cruise crash causes paramount panic. I can barely even say it. It's like a tongue twister. Mm-hmm. Cruise crash causes paramount panic. Cruise crash causes paramount panic. And it's like, give me a break, you know? It's like they're looking for their little titles because everyone wants their nugget, quick, bite-sized news. And you know what? One thing, I'm telling you, that Drudge Report with Kong Bomb on it was enough to railroad that film. You know, and you know, it was funny that you know we came up with Tom Bomb. Tom Bomb. You know, and then there'll be a, a Da Vinci Bomb. Da Vinci and, Bomb. And Super Bomb. Super Bomb. And, you know. I mean, that's what I fear now is is I just I think with the way the schedule is piled up and it is just so thick with movies, and now that they're they're under the gun to perform their first day or first three days, I mean. What if you have relatives coming in? Or just what if your life keeps you from going to the movies that weekend, but you have every intention of seeing it? Suddenly, that person doesn't count anymore. And that is a chunk of moviegoers. And that's like the international box office. It's almost like they don't count. We're not going to wait to see if they come in to see the film the second weekend. We're going to write it off the first weekend, the first day, you know. This is a dangerous trend. I don't see how anything positive is going to come out of this trend this year, the next year, and the next year. I know that reporting grosses has been the popular thing to do in the mainstream media since the late 80s. I mean, let's face it, Hollywood Reporter and Variety have been doing it a lot longer. But it didn't become, you know, the, the conscious awareness in America until USA Today started doing it. But now that we, we have to have reporting on it and opinion and this, this should factor and this book of expectations and this story that's going to travel. And like you said, it's going to, it's going to taint people and their perceptions. Well, think about this. The big question is that a lot of people don't know the difference between certain types of journalism. Because really, when you think about you know, what's going to come after a film, okay, number one. You have the reviewers, okay? You've got Siskel and Ro- I mean, you've got Ebert and Roper, you've got Peter Travers, you've got all these guys who are going to go see the film. They're going to lay it out for you and tell you this is what I like, this is what I don't like. In the end, I give it a thumbs up, thumbs down, three stars, two stars, whatever. Okay, that's one piece of the puzzle, and that will definitely get people in the theater or keep people away. And I think that that was a huge factor in uh, what happened with Poseidon this last weekend. Okay, mm-hmm. we'll talk about Poseidon in a minute. But on the other hand, you have that commentary, that tabloid, 
you know, Mm -hmm. that journalism where it's just about we're going to talk about the success or the failure of this movie in financial terms, the the sporting event, the game, you know, uh, mission made, you know, because it, it it's not just enough. Like when you go on, you know, see, I get all my news on my Yahoo, you mm-hmm. know, that's just, that's, I don't, you know, I don't read a newspaper. I just get it all on the internet. And that's when they have all the, all the articles lined up. And that's when you get all the catchy titles, you know, cruise sinks Poseidon at box office. You know, Poseidon sinks at North American box office, you know, all about the sinking and capsizing, and they want to use all their mm-hmm. little quips, you know, and it's all commentary. They want to put their little, they're going to put their little chart in there at the bottom. You know, you notice how that always is? On the articles, they put the chart at the bottom, but mm-hmm. they got to walk you through the chart. It's not enough to just see it. They have to say, well, this did this. And, you know, the $150 million Mission Impossible 3 production budget yielded mm-hmm. only $48 million opening weekend causing it to be lower than expectations of 65 you know it's all these crazy numbers coming at you and really like we said it doesn't matter but there's a difference in that kind of journalism as opposed to it's it's like a play-by-play of the chart really Mm -hmm. you know here's the chart here's what to think now about the chart that it's out well i've always had trouble too with even reviewers reporting a film's budget in the in their critique of a movie right because it's not like they're a producer on the film. They don't know where that budget went and why it was that cost and where all the money went into individual things. I mean, they don't know how much it cost to license this piece of music or to get this location or to get these props or that costume or travel or any of that. So it has no relevance into a film's review. The budget should not matter. It's about the film. It's not about what it costs to make it. That's another article separate from, I think, reviewing the film. To bring that element into a review is almost tainting the review because you're trying to slant it towards, well, it didn't live up to the $150 million budget. Well, what does that mean? How would you know? That's the question. Does a movie with a bigger budget mean that it needs to be a better movie? I mean, does that mean that Sex, Lies, and Videotape, when it was made for a million dollars, should suck? You know? It's like, okay, well... uh, uh, Blair Witch was only 300000 Okay, so that means it's going to suck. Whereas, you know, okay. uh, uh, you know, the bon- bonfire of the vanities cost, you know, yay many millions of dollars. And so that means it should be great. Mm-hmm. Well, that's ridiculous. You know, that, that doesn't have anything to do with talent. Well, it's just, it's just as ridiculous as, well, it's the number one film. It must be the best film. Right. You know, it's the same old well, game. Well, but see, that... that's why they're going to keep reporting those box office numbers, man. Because you know that second weekend, they love to put that on the on the ad. Number well, one film in the in the nation. I agree, and you know what? I think that's that has proven to be an effective tool for movies for the last thirty years. Being able to have that in your advertising. Oh, and, and you know, like the number one comedy. Even if oh, your sure. numbers, even if your movie is like the, in sixth place in the box office, and it made two you can million be the dollars, number one comedy. You can still be the number one comedy in America. But I think it's like we said in our echo chamber: that was then, this is today. Mm-hmm. It's not going to help you a year from now. Look at the trends right now in the media. Do you think the media are going to suddenly change their ways? <laughs> no. no. <laughs> the blades are going to get sharper. The articles. I mean, they're not even going to wait till Saturday. Start posting it's after same. a while. Your movie will be sunk after the first show. So I, again, remove the numbers from the equation. Make it an audience attendance figures. Well, what is and it? then you it changes me, the story. Remember you told me, and that, that was really, I thought, a revelation, that all the other charts, and I started thinking about it. I was like, okay, well, there's record charts. Billboard. 
Right. There's That's sales. Know, but, they never tell you how much money the album made. Yeah. It's always how many numbers, units did they move. Right. And they'll say something like, uh, you know, uh, in like book charts and whatnot, you know, the New York Times bestseller list. Right. Look at Nielsen ratings. They don't they don't tell you what was charged for commercials that night and how much each show made in revenue that night. Right. Think about it. They could. It would be just like movies. And they could do a chart based on advertising and who made the most money in ads, right. you know, all along. And, and you could rank them that way, but they don't do it that way. So, but the movies do. Yeah, so why does this happen? I mean, that's what's so strange. It happens because, like a pissing contest, or mine's bigger than yours. Mm. It's a way to get... It's it's the two-page spread in variety. The number one movie, 63 million opening, 116 million opening, blah, blah, blah. We've got the big boy on the block, you know? Yeah. We're king of the hill for a week. That's all great, but it's going to hurt you in the future. You, I think the run is over. I think you have to look to the future, like looking at digital cinema, looking at internet in terms of advertising and marketing and obviously distribution. Things are changing, and the media has changed, and their agenda has changed. And if the studios don't wake up and look at this, this is it's happening right now. This is their wake-up call. Here it is. They got to change the story to attendance figures. That's the best way for them to track the figures. And then when a film is done playing in the cinemas, then they control the story and they can release the figures if they choose to. And if they don't choose to, you know what? The media will get used to it after a while. Because what what can they do? Yeah. Can they go to the government and complain? Oh, the studios won't give us the figures well, anymore. You know, there is kind of a you know don't uh, bite the hand that feeds you mentality. Because I think that, in a certain way, Hollywood is promoted by media. We've talked about before how, you know, TV shows, like uh, late-night talk shows, you know, David Letterman, uh, The Tonight mm -hmm. Show, all these shows, you know, like, they'll have a guest on. And the guest is there to promote their film. A guest very, very rarely comes on just for fun. They sure. come on promoting something. Hey, let's take a look at the clip. You do the rounds of all the talk shows, and you right. you know talk it up. You show the clips, exactly. you get people into and it, and they're there to promote. Okay, the TV show it becomes a profitable show because uh, there's entertainment involved. They get to talk to the stars as they come on to promote their films. We get to see a little bit about their film coming on, and really, you know, it's become. I mean, it is. You know, you're watching, uh, you know, a, a shielded uh, commercial. Here's a commercial for Paramount as they push MI3, Tom Cruise going to The Tonight Show, you know, sure. or or something else. And I think that's what happens is that the promotion is entertainment. Well, and this is this is old. I mean, this has been going around for years. I mean, this goes all the way back to, you know, the dinosaur and all that. I mean, yeah. it's all about promotion yeah. in, in the sense. I mean, that's what advertising and television do. You know, they entertain you and they sell advertising. Yeah. But... What I think has happened here is we have now shifted from an age where Hollywood needed the media more than the media needed them. Right. I think today the media needs Hollywood almost more than they need them because there's so many other outlets now to do promotion for movies like a banner ad, you know, and having your trailer up at Yahoo. I mean, there's a great way to make awareness of your title without having to spend any money advertising right. in, in, those, in those old school method of, of, of ways of thinking. And now with there's so many entertainment tonights and so many shows that rely on access to Hollywood movies and stars and information, 
I really think it's time now for the studios to take it back and to, and to maintain some control over the story. Right. Take a play out of a smart playbook of getting ahead of the story. Right. Instead of the story getting ahead of you. Well, see, and that's the question is, is that, you know, when does the line get drawn and when do they cut it off? The line must be drawn here. You know, without being having fear of reprisal. I think to a certain extent they're afraid of the media because well, if they do that what? thing. If they stop reporting the grosses, the media would bitch and complain for at least three to six months. Mm-hmm. Because they would have to change the way they think. They would actually have to write about the movies for once. They wouldn't have that easy crutch of just putting things in num- you know in a numerical order. Right. Oh, this was number one. This was number ten. You know, they would actually have to do some work. Right. I, I think so. Yeah, they would bitch. But then after a while, once the, the the storm calmed, things would change. And a year later, the whole the whole environment would be different. Well, the thing that's really funny is, like you said. You know, you can't really report on a, on a box office of a film until a year later or something once all the movies money's been made. But yet, you know, okay, we've gone through, and, and, and all that we've talked out about to this point was the first weekend of Mission Impossible 3 as an example. But now let's jump to the second weekend, which is wrapped up today on Sunday as we record this, is that, you know, now there's a little bit of championing of Cruz all of a sudden because he finished uh, ahead of... Poseidon, which was the next big release to come out. Yeah. You know, and now they're saying Cruz crushes Poseidon. Crushes by what? Four or five million? Yeah. That's a crush now? <laughs> I mean, I think if he is like 10 million over, he crushes, but, you know, four or five million means you weren't, you know, it's yeah. no crush. Well, yeah, they're, they're estimating. You leaned forward and you won the race, you know? Yeah. <laughs> well, they're estimating now that it's like uh, MI3 took in 24.5 and uh, Poseidon at 20. But I think the funny thing is, is that, like like I said, the shift happened where the you know the knives came back a little bit because uh, it did you know do a second weekend at number one even though this other monster release came out you know I mean Poseidon cost more to make than Mission Impossible and not too many films are going to get two weekends at number one anyway right. Da Vinci won't, because X3 will beat it, so it won't get two weekends at number one. Well, and I think now you're going to start seeing the shift is, is here is the story the media wants to write. Slump Part 2. Oh, yes. This is, they can't, they just, they, it's like that novel they've had in their drawer for a year or something, you know? <laughs> they want to rip it out and tell everyone, see, I told you, and I told you first, blah, 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 you know? See, that's the deal. Who's going to be the first to come out and call this summer a bomb, the whole summer? Media, uh, uh, studios in trouble for uh, Slump 2 for summer 2006. Who's going to be the first one that's going to step under the plate? And how many weeks is it going to take? Let's just say Da Vinci makes 40 instead of 70. Okay? Does that mean that they can come out and start saying... Uh, we could have slump, slump too here. Aren't well, we actually, based on what you told me, yes, because if Sony came out with a projection saying we expect sixty to seventy or whatever, mm-hmm. and it does forty, well then you just got bit. You know, you you broke the rule. But, but you know, is, is you couldn't you pointed to the left field fence for a home run and you didn't get it. You know, that's bad. It only works when you can pull it off. What about so movies? I think It'll be ammunition if they don't make it. What about movies like My Big Fat Greek Wedding that make money slowly over the right. long haul? 
I they're mean, freaks. They are, but I mean, I, I, I just can't imagine that we've got to continue to shorten this window, you know. And I guess they're just so afraid of the next week's release that's going to come up that that just means the window is shorter and shorter and shorter. Well, you, that used to be a fear when there were only six screens, right. and you were you were fighting for screen space. But there's so many screens now; that's not an issue. Yeah, your movie will still be playing on a good sized screen the second, third, and fourth week. Before, I mean, obviously they're going to get kicked down to the little box other at the at the end, and I think that's the worst part of the multiplex theory is there should never be a little box. Yeah. That's true. If you wait three weeks, you know, guess what? You're out of theater number one and you're in theater number five that has the small screen, the, the the lamer sound. I mean, oh, yeah. I mean, how many times have you done that? You know, you wait a little while. Instead now, of I'm all right for in. a theater with with fewer seats, but it should be the same size screen. Yeah, and it's not. And it's not. No, well, I thank agree. God. I mean, there, at least there's a little quality control when it comes to movies these days. I remember back in the... In the 80s, remember when they used to have those big screens and they'd chop them up into four? I know. And you would be the sitting there with a cockeyed, uh, you know, uh, seating arrangement with like, you know, a few seats and then, a, and then a walkway and then a whole bunch of seats. And it would be like, this isn't centered at all, you know, because they went and they chopped up. That was that was the worst days. The VHS days were, were also terrible days for the theater, you know, where quality was just in the in the ass, you know. And they were trying to compete with the multiplexes, you know. It was just like the, oh well, this is our cheap alternative. Let's chop that screen up. Thank you know, that's why all the balcony theaters became upstairs, downstairs, two theaters. You yeah. Know? Yeah, it's bad. Yeah, but but anyways, I mean, at least you know that's been rectified to a certain extent today. But you know, there's still zillions of other factors why people don't you know want to jump in there and go to the theater. You know, it, well, I think, you know, movie-going habits have changed. Uh-huh. More people are going to watch movies at home in general because it's fine and satisfying. But people still do want to go out. They do like the thrill of seeing a good summer movie so sure. they can talk about it and be on the on the vibe of pop culture. So I do think there is an audience out there that still does want to go to the movies. They can't go as, as much as Hollywood would like us to. And that's, they're going to learn that the hard way. It's just we cannot go see every movie. Even critics can't do it anymore because <laughs> there's weekend. too many movies. Yeah, every, especially movie on, every movie on opening weekend. <laughs> the opening weekend they open. I mean, sometimes we have a life outside of the movies yeah, that yeah. You know, we want to uh, attend to. We'll get to your a movie eventually. Just keep it around and I'll get to it. Yeah. You know? But, uh, you know, it's it's just all changing so fast. And I just think... People are being picky about the movies. They're going to see one a month, maybe, maybe two. I'm just talking about, you know, Joe General audience. Yeah. Um, and some people might just say, well, I'm going to see at least three movies this summer, and, you know, all the rest they'll catch up to later. Well, you know. But their mind might change if word of mouth comes around. It's like, right. man, I hear MI3 is really good, and I didn't want to see it originally. I didn't like the last two, but I heard it's good. I think I'm going to go see it. Right, they're that they're killing that with this 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 taint, this smell taint that they're putting all over the product. Right. Well, you know, and another thing that when they when they deduce where this money is coming from, that's another thing that people have to think about. You know, and I think it's dangerous for them to sit there and they say sixty and seventy million for Da Vinci, because a lot of that money is coming from teenagers with disposable income. You know, that maybe aren't going to be interested to run to that kind of film. You know? Well, they're counting on just the books and the adults. I mean, this is going to be the movie that will get people out that haven't been in the movies yet this year. Right. 
They haven't seen anything, but they're going to go see this. Right. Well, sure, that's good. But what I'm saying is is that, you know, they're always afraid that they're going to skew toward an older audience. I mean, this this film is obviously set up for that. But, uh, you know, competing against the likes of X3, Superman, and uh, MI3, which skews young... I mean, there, there's danger in that too, and I think that you know that might have bitten Poseidon also because, you know, it's not like kids look at that and go, ooh, you know, other than just the eye candy of the special effects. But, God, let you know, we've seen New York ravaged by floods. I mean, what is it for a ship to turn over? So who cares? You know, been there, done that. Uh, mm-hmm. It wasn't obviously enough to float that box office, and the bad word got out that you know Poseidon didn't have a lot of character development, et cetera, et cetera. And, you wouldn't uh, have anyone in there that I would think would be box office. We have to see it because they ran it. No. I mean, there's good actors in it, but not people that go see movies just because they ran them. Right. And so, I mean, that's an interesting thing because, you know, I don't know that when we're looking at what happened to MI3 and how the knives came out for Tom Cruise, I don't know that the knives necessarily came out for uh, Poseidon because I think that it really just kind of did it to itself. Well, the knives should be coming out because they spent 160 million on it, and it did 20 its opening weekend. Yeah. Which means, what can it do on weekend two? It'd be lucky if it gets to 15. Yeah. So now it's at a 35 million dollar gross. Weekend three, let's give it 10, just because we're being generous, so we can get it up to 45 million. Okay. Yeah. By weekend four, we're going to start dipping down to like six million, seven million box office gross. It's going to have to creep hard to get up to 60 it would be happy if it gets to 80 it's not going to do 100 we'll see that but i'm talking domestic right worldwide that film could clean up we don't right. know you know we'll worldwide see. could save that film and and could make this all a happy story we just don't know what that story is and we can't really comment on it fully right. until it's been written very true and like i said i don't know uh you know, I don't know that that film, like I said, really had the knives out for it. It just, you know, like I said, it kind of imploded on its own. Um, I, I know that, you know, people can look at numbers like what you just did and they can say, well, it should be doing this. But at the very least, you know, there's no, you know, itchy factor in there. You know, there's there's this no big, uh, like I said, there's no big star to take a shot at, you know, which, uh, you know, they could do that in Da Vinci. Um uh, you know, I don't know that the knives will come out for X3 because I don't think the industry really gives a crap about Brett Ratner and, and you know, the plight of the fanboy. But I think that the long knives could definitely come out for Superman only because Superman is what it is in the history that it has. I think you're right. I mean, I actually, I don't think any film is really safe, even Pirates of the Caribbean. I mean, it's yeah. it's going to need to do super business or it's going to be considered a disappointment. I don't think any film is is going to be safe as long as, I mean, don't you see the pattern here in the reporting? Mm-hmm. Oh, we have a budget. Miami Vice cost $140 million. Well, if it doesn't do $100 million its opening weekend, we can call it a bomb now, you know? <laughs> yeah. Because we're not going to even wait to see what it does in, in, in later weekends. We're not going to even wait for word of mouth to carry. Yeah. You know, it's, the race has gotten, you know, so tight and so small. And like you said, any movie, no movie is exempt, and I think they can come after anybody. And I think that there is an agenda. I think, I mean, I personally think they're, they are trying to sabotage, you know, to a certain extent, especially with the Tom Cruise. Maybe not so much with other films. They want to report it. They, I think more than anything, they're not, 
all the time guilty of sabotage unless they have a specific agenda. But I think they are sabotaging in that they want to be first. They want to be the first ones to report it. They want to, uh, you know, say it loud that they're the smart ones who have predicted this and all this kind of stuff. And yes, it's definitely not helping the studios, but I don't think they care. I think they just, you know, are, you know, they're apathetic about the state of the box office because their job is to report and they think they're reporting. And what they're really reporting is just tabloid crap and opinion. And people have a hard time differentiating between opinion and news. And this is definitely not news. It's just opinion. Oh, well, it did this. Now, whether or not there really is a tree of expectation, I mean, or a book of expectations, that's a question. You know, does a movie have to make a certain amount of money on, you know, on day one? to equate to success. That's obviously, we just don't know. No one can tell the future. And like you said before, I think that, you know, we, you know, the problem is that they're reporting on it today rather than, you know, after a week when, um, you know, it makes more sense now that like, in, in, it only really makes sense to report it after it's all done, after it's done, it's DVD, after it's already been on cable and you can add in all those sales and you really release all the figures. Right. See, they don't, they don't release all the other little figures that come into, uh, you know, that amounts to the complete, you know, total gross that a movie makes. So, again, it's just, it's selective reporting, even from the studio's part sure. about what they let out. Sure. But uh, it does not give a complete picture. I mean, there's so many films that break even that didn't do good in the box office. Right. You know? And there's even more that didn't do good in the box office, but were a modest hit, you know, on DVD. Right. And then you get some that you know were hitting both. Well, either way, I think I think the point is and is that the media is after their story, and they don't care who gets hurt. They're not interested in the agenda of the studios now. The but the studios have to make a decision here if they're going to continue to allow this to happen. Obviously, it's freedom of speech, freedom of press. They can report what they want. It's just not helping the studios, and the studios need to make a decision, like you said. It's go time for the studios to say, do we shut this down and continue to let them do it, or do we keep playing this out? Because it's just going to mm-hmm. continue to go down downhill. And, you know, what's going to happen, you know, it, let's just worst, worst case, case scenario, scenario here. Right here. I mean, I can just imagine you know, Hollywood Saloon 54, you know, Apocalypse Hollywood, Apocalypse Hollywood, Hollywood number 8, covering, you know, Apocalypse Hollywood year 2006. We are, we are at, at episode, episode number 54 in Hollywood. Hollywood. Big 54. Did you ever think we'd get this far? Never thought I'd get this far. Well, especially with this last year. That's right. Well, you know, it's end of the year, 2006. We're going to do our 2006 movie report, and then that's it for the Hollywood Saloon, guys. We're closing the doors and shutting it down because, I mean, we can't talk about anything anymore because there's just nothing to talk about because, you know, who could have predicted that it would come to this point at the end of this year where there's just no movies left to see. I mean, no more Hollywood. I never really thought that you know it could end that quickly. I mean, I know they talked about it last year with the fear of the slump and all that. But you know, whoever believes the media, you know, when have the media ever right? But boy, were they ever right, man! I mean, we we should have seen it coming back when uh, you know that whole Tom Cruise thing started with Mission Impossible Tom Three bomb. back in May. Well, it started, man. You know, it's it, it's like you know, it didn't live up to its predictions. I mean, as soon as it did not do fifty million its first day, and I mean, let's face it, it probably should have done at least what ninety or a hundred and twenty million its opening weekend, right? Absolutely. And you know, I mean, when it failed to perform up to those expectations, because obviously those were the expectations 
that were expected. Well, and the thing that happened was it started that domino effect, you know, where it's like Poseidon crashed, and then the next week, you know... Uh, oh, that Da Vinci disappoints. Oh, right. Da Vinci you disappoints. Know. Da Vinci dead on arrival. I got some of the uh, news clippings here. Da Vinci drops. Hank's tanks. Hank's tanks. That was my favorite, yeah. right? You know, and yeah. then and then it, it went on to X3, you know, Wolverine woes, you know, mundane mutants die at box office, you know. It, it wasn't just X3 The Last Stand, it was X3 The Last Film, you know, I mean... <laughs> <laughs> I mean, we talked about that stacking up, you know, the four weekends yeah, in a row. Yeah. I mean, and, you know, obviously, you know, I think everyone was was surprised when, um, you know, The Omen, which completely lived up, I think, to what it set out to do. I mean, it opened on 6606. It opened in sixth place its first weekend <laughs> and, right. and made, what, $6,666,666. <laughs> 66 cents. I mean, I think they, they, they did what they set out to do. They wanted to right? do the sixth thing. Well, and, you know, and I, I think in everything after that we saw, you know, and then it happened with Superman, you know, Super oh. Bomb. Remember, remember? Was there a Superman movie that came out this year? It was, well, remember it was that first day. It was Super Bomb. Didn't live up to the first day, first day. And that was the first time, you remember, that was the first time that they actually had numbers out after the first noon showing. Oh, yeah. They weren't even going to wait for the evening shows to come in. You know, forget anyone that had to work that Friday, right? That, oh. was, that was on Drudge that morning when they reported. It was almost like live. You know, Box Office Mojo, you know, brought this new thing in where, like I said, they started reporting on specific airings like noon show. You know, because most mm-hmm. shows opened around the same time, 11.55 noon. And and you get the numbers for that show. And what's really sad is those of us on the on the West Coast that are a little bit behind, you know, right. we're sitting here waiting for our first show, and it's already a flop. Right, because it's already... Before we even get to the theater, it's a flop. It's already been reporting. I mean, it's like some crazy, you know, election, you know, or something, and uh, and it's done. I mean, and we saw it continue with Pirates, you know, and they reported those first early morning grosses, and that was it. And it's like people on the West Coast just said, oh, well, I heard of it. It tanked, you know, because they, you know, they had to plaster it on Yahoo and MSN and everywhere that you looked. Here's the big headline for the day was that, you know, Superman didn't live up to expectations after showing one. You know, Pirates didn't live up to expectations after showing one. And uh, I mean, I know by this time there were a lot of screens that were already starting to close down. And I think, you know, the writing was a little bit on the wall, but everyone kept thinking, oh, well, you know, Pirates will save everything. Pirates will save everything. But it it just seemed like everyone that wanted to see pirates saw it opening weekend and you know no one was coming back well do you remember and the other big shift that occurred um i'm guessing it was in august was or or late july was when uh the lady in the water came out m night's movie did it even come out well, do you remember what they decided to do out of their fear was the studios they went with the soderberg model they did the day and the day the day and day right because you know right. you couldn't even find it in theaters i think by that time you know my local uh 16plex i think was down to two screens by then well you know, you know and, and and i got the numbers here was that it opened when lady in the water opened it only opened in 675 screens across the nation Mm-hmm. Because all the other ones had been shut down, you know. Your forget the dollar cinemas. Your multiplexes were gone now. Now it's only you know your super superplexes. You know where they had uh, 
you know, uh, what's it called? You know, like 20, 25 screens, 30 screens, you know, mm-hmm. no more, you know, 10 screens, 15 screens. No, you got to have yeah, 30. Yeah, they're just turning them into bookstores now in my, well, in my ex- area. Exactly. And, and I mean, it's doing well for the, you know, the literary industry. But, but you know, I think that the problem is, is that now that's it. It's over, you know. Uh, the theaters have closed down. I sat there and I actually drove to my theater, my Cinemark theater, and I watched them put the boards up on the windows. I mean, it was bizarre, but that's it. I mean, and, and it's nothing new. We all know about this now that, you know, this is pretty much the death of Hollywood. And, and you know, I, I guess they're going to start making their products and, and uh, sending them, you know, straight to our TVs and maybe we'll just see more TV of the weeks. TV well, it's like you know, Star Wars finished. We didn't have a new Star Wars, right? You know, right. we didn't we didn't have the new Spielberg extravaganza. You know, and oh hell, Harry Potter. You know, he's still a ways off. I mean, there's not even going to be theaters to finish up that series. I Think know about that. I know. You know? So, it's just. Uh, I mean, I guess we're going to get all direct. It's like a part of our life that is just finally okay. You won. The media was right. You know, it's it's. No one wants to go to the theaters anymore. Well, the panic is over. And now, you know, with all this this rise of youth gangs, I mean, all these teenagers with with nothing to do on Friday and Saturday nights anymore. You know, I mean, what do you do with all these kids? You don't want them at home. If you're a parent, you want them out of the house, right? (laughs) That's right. And and they don't have the theaters to go to anymore. So that's an issue that, you know, may become a law enforcement issue. But, you know, I think the point is that theaters really, they can't, do a turnaround anymore because the the box office is so weak, you know, and, and it's, it was predicted. I mean, you know, we weren't listening. We were full of ourselves saying, you know, it should be about the movie oh, itself. We, we kept trying to find ways to save the industry, yeah. you know, and, and, and obviously no one else was interested in that. And, no. and, you know, it was the, the agenda was to kill the industry, not save the industry. And, right. you know, it's, it's kind of tough to have a show, you know, called the Hollywood Saloon about Hollywood when you know they're yeah. Hollywood's dead. Well, you know, I you know, I don't know. Maybe maybe it'll be a renaissance for films. Maybe, you know, uh you know, uh, somebody with, you know, a few bucks can make that little home movie and 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 somehow put it out on iFilm and we'll get to see movies again. But for now, yeah, I mean, uh it's too bad, folks, you know. Uh you know, I hope you enjoy your DVDs and your TV because, you know, that's it. You know, there will come a day where your grandchildren will say, you used to actually leave home to go to the movies? Yeah, exactly. Oh, well. Yeah. So Even with your young son, I, th- I feel for him. You know, he never really got to experience yeah. and really, you know, enjoy going to a Saturday afternoon matinee and, and, and seeing, you know, a screen that was bigger than his house. Yeah. Oh, well, we just got to hope that one day we'll get a screen as big as a wall, and, you know, that probably will happen, so... We'll see. So, say la vie, Hollywood. Thanks for everything, and uh, and thanks for coming and hanging out at the Hollywood. Well, we Swing. should really give a big thanks out there to the media because we really couldn't have done it without yeah, them. Yeah, and and Sharon Waxman and all those writers who uh, supported Hollywood. You know, I mean, it was your dedication to make sure your story came out not just on Saturday, but on the same day the movies came out. That's right. That enabled this to happen. I mean, we we couldn't do it without you. We owe you a, a giant. You know. Uh, Round of applause and thanks because, you know, yeah, we didn't need this theatrical window. It was just getting in the way of our DVD releases. Well, and that's, and that's the point is that they really, they saw it, warned us. We didn't heed the warning. And now that we've waited for, you know, eight months or whatever, we know that they were white and we were wrong. And so be it. So no more theaters. They're all locked up. And uh, thank, thank, 
Hollywood uh, for what you did, but uh, I guess I'll go watch some ESPN or something. Keep talking about there's a choice being made not to talk about the movie. I, I think about J.J. Abrams, who worked really hard on the film. I think about Carrie Russell, who trained really hard and does well in the movie. And Michelle Monaghan and, you know, all the other supporting cast members that come in. There's a lot of things to talk about other than this. And this is what they choose to talk about. Well, and, you know. This is how we promote films now, based on numbers. Well, like we said, looking when we look at the, to the future and we see what we, you know, what maybe we're going to say at the end of 2006. Let's just hope it's not as ridiculous as, as as what it could be and what the media would purport it to be. That it's all danger, it's all downhill. Theaters are going to close and all that kind of stuff. Let's just hope and that was last year's big story and it didn't quite live up to that. Yeah, you know, when it was all the figures finally started coming in, you notice how we don't really talk about it anymore. <laughs> yeah. Well, because now they want to they want to make this a drama too. It's all about the drama, man. They want to make their own drama, you know. That is the media, and uh, their story is more important than the stories that are going on. See, that's the deal. Their story is more important than the story of the film. But their story is going to kill their own livelihood if they continue it. Yep. Their slant on it is only going to hurt the industry that keeps them in business. Right. I just I don't see the logic in it in the long run. Um. I mean, and really, does anyone go to the Yahoo one versus the Google or somewhere else to read the commentary on the box office figures? Or do people just want to see the top ten? Yeah. I don't think anyone cares about the commentary that goes along with it. No. And if they do, they're doing it because that's how they get educated. And they're going to take that as, well, that's what it says, you know. That must be. And again, like criticism, it's just a, a lot of it is, again, that should shoulda, woulda, coulda, it's opinionated. It's very subjective. And it's not really based on any, on any hard, concrete data that uh, would be really relevant to an entire physical picture about a movie. There is only one holistic system of systems. One vast and immane, interwoven, interacting, multivariate, multinational dominion of dollars. In those first days of the world, it is told, nothing could be seen. The people had to listen. In the darkness. Okay, we're going to wrap up this episode of the Hollywood Saloon. And uh, with me today is a special guest, uh, my lovely wife, Mayanne, the first lady of the Hollywood Saloon. Hello. There she is. And uh, as some of you might know on the forum, she goes by Annie May on the forums. And uh, she is going to hop on board uh, the Hollywood Saloon here today. So, hey, like I said, wrapping up the episode, just wanted to say uh, you're always welcome to come to our website at www.hollywoodsaloon.com. Uh, give us an email at hollywoodsaloon at yahoo.com. We still have our special edition page kicking up. If you want something more and new, if you haven't uh, found that yet, the special edition page, you can go off uh, off our main page. Uh, it'll just say special edition right there. Uh, and we still have our summer movie preview up. If you haven't heard it yet, go over there, pick it up. You can only get it uh, on that page. It's not on the feed or anything like that. But anyways, like I said, we're here in the saloon, and we're going to do some saloon swag. Woohoo! Yeah, we're going to give away some free stuff. And we had thousands upon thousands of entries this time. I mean, it was amazing. Not really. 
only one person had to be disqualified for applying again when they won last week. Yeah, we can only win once a month, Criterion Master. Oh, sorry, I didn't say that, did I? But he, we know he's enjoying his uh, Dr. Doolittle 3 right now. So you don't need anything else, dude. So anyways, okay, onwards. Saloon Schwag. We've got our winners this time, and let's do this live. We're going to go ahead and pull them. It's pressure. So I'm going to have the young lady here pull the winners. And, uh, you better not call me the old lady. <laughs> so let's go with... Oh, and first of all, I want to say thanks to uh, Fox Home Entertainment, Jennifer Onberg, for uh, giving us all these... Uh, DVDs for free so that we can give them out to you. So uh, let's pull for the, what, the 70s show. Dun, 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 dun. Who's going to win the 70s show? 70s show goes to Brandon Angelili. Angelili. I hope I'm saying that right. Okay, Brandon. Well, you get the 70s show. Cool. All right, and now we're going to pull for the Family Stone. Family Stone. There we go. We're shaking them all up. Reach in there and grab one, Vanna. Okay. All right, Family Stone winner is... Family Stone goes to Bill Hooper. Bill Hooper. All right, Bill, you got your some Family Stone coming your way. All right, let's pull for that old Hill Street Blues Season 2 DVD set. Who would we got winning this old show? We got... Hill Street Blues, Nick De La Force. Nick De La Force in Australia. Oh, man, now i got to pay shipping charges all the way across the world again. Thanks a lot, Nick. Anyways, congratulations. You got the DVD set coming to you. And for Grandma's Boy, the unrated edition. The unrated Grandma. Unrated edition. Unrated with nakedness. Who gets it? Probably the 15-year-old kid. Oh, it's Brandon Angelili again. (laughs) 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 Sorry, Brandon. You only get one. Uh uh, Uh Uh-oh. I think you're going to like the other one better. All right, let's see. Who else do we got here? We got... That's some good odds right there. You can win two of them. Vicky Bagley. Vicky Bagley from... We We don't know where from. We don't know where, but she... We just pulled it off the email. That's right. So the crude, unrated, stupid movie goes to the female. Well, we don't know that it's stupid. We haven't seen it. I saw it. You watched it? Yeah. Uh Uh-oh. No, it's fun. What do you give it out of ten? Zero. Oh! No, I'm kidding. Oh! <laughs> how, how many stars is that? <laughs> no, we love our Fox home. Shh, Fox is listening. All right, last one. The Ringer. The Johnny The Knox. Ringer. I saw this. This is a very sweet movie. All right, who wins The Ringer? <sighs> the Ringer goes to Jennifer Spaulding. Jennifer Spaulding wins The Ringer. All right, two girls this time. All right, well, there you go. Uh, that is Saloon Schwag, and we got our winners. I'll contact them on email, and we hope that they enjoy their DVDs. We're going to hold off on Saloon Schwag for this time, and we're going to not do one this week, but we'll get back to it soon. Uh, hopefully, we'll have some more great stuff to pass out to you then. Okay, let's go ahead and dr- jump into our Frapper Map. As usual, if you come to our website, you go to the Frapper Map, you go there, and you sign up, we're going to give a shout-out like we always do. So let's go through the f- a few names here right now. Uh, first, I've got Aaron Pettis from Rochester, Rod- Rochester, Rochester, Michigan. And what did he say? He said, really enjoyed the Star Wars discussion. Absolutely. Fantastic. We are Star Wars centric here at the Hollywood Saloon. Uh, we've also got Vicki Lynn Bagley. <gasps> she just won something. She just won. How about that? She's from Detroit, Michigan. I like that. I like saying Detroit. Um, and what did she say? She said something, too. She said, I've recommended this podcast to all my movie buddies. It's a must subscription. I love the detail you spend on each subject. So the length is perfect, in my opinion. You guys rock. All right. We rock. 
So uh, thanks, uh, Vicky. We hope you enjoy your DVD, and uh, thanks for hanging out the saloon. So uh, onwards, we got Rob Tap. It's Rob, Rob Tapscott. Rob Tapscott from Kingsport, Tennessee. Kingsport, Tennessee, and he said, "What did he say? Andy? What did he say? What did he say?" <laughs> I just learned about your show. Consider me hooked. He's the only one this week that had an actual picture, and he had monitors and decks behind him, so we assume he works for a TV station of some sort. Oh, TV station. Yep. Worked at one for seven years. No, thank you. But anyways, uh, that's cool. We're glad that you enjoy working at a TV station, Rob. But thanks for listening, Rob. Definitely, we're glad to have you here. And then we've got Suzanne Cloutier. 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 Ooh. I'm assuming that's how you Check out the... No, I'm kidding. (laughs) From South Berwick, Maine. From up in Maine. Okay. And then we've got Ross Crawford from Knoxville, Tennessee. And we've got Jimmy. Jimmy didn't have a last name. Just Jimmy. And Jimmy says, uh, well, you can read it. Jimmy says, great podcast, superb production values, and content. All right. Thank you very much for that. We appreciate that, Jimmy. Thanks for listening. We've got Justin Spooner from Wisconsin. We've got a few people in Wisconsin. I don't know. It's kind of cool. We've got Mark Anderson from Pickering, Ontario. And what does he say? He says, you guys rock. I'll be holding my breath till Serenity 2 comes out. Keep up the good work, and I will keep listening. Oh, man, that's shiny. Cool. <laughs> Turn it sideways. That's so. the next one. For the well, next one. I'm, I'm not done yet. Oh. <laughs> so can you tell she's my wife? Anyways, uh, thanks, Mark, definitely. And uh, we'll uh, be hoping for that Serenity 2 sequel that will never happen. But, uh, boy, that would be fun. You know, the Sci-Fi Channel needs to do a movie. Come on, if they can afford to do two Battlestar Galactic series, instead they could do a... a uh, a movie for Serenity, just a, you know, one of their, uh, I don't know, whatever. Um, and we got Liam from Leicester, England. Liam. Liam. Hello, Liam. Liam Neeson. Leicester. Leicester. Or Leicester. We're just some dumb old Texans. We can't, we can't say it all. So, anyways, that's our Frapper map this time. Like I said, if you want to be on our Frapper map, just go to the website. Go to the Frapper. It's a uh, listener map on the main page, and click on there and check out. Everybody in the world, we've got a lot of people. I think the last I checked, what was it, like 120, something like that, 120 people? So that's going great. Um, okay, uh, one last thing before we wrap it all up here. we got our big announcement that I have been promising you guys for a long time. That's right. Big announcement. We're going to call this Saloon Radio, and that is a streaming audio 24 hours a day, seven days a week. It is a live 365 station, and it is movie scores, soundtracks, songs, etc., etc. Great music. You can log on there anytime, 24 hours a day, and we've got constant uh, soundtracks in their entirety. I mean, not albums, but mixed up stuff. Uh, You know, James Horner, John Williams, Hans Zimmer, all the guys you can think of. And uh, it is—it's a fantastic, uh, great, fun site. If you're a soundtrack lover, if you're a music, uh, film music. Aficionado, this is the place to be, and we're going to have a page right there on our off our main page, off all of our pages, really. And it'll say Saloon Radio. You click on that, you're going to get all the information. Uh, if you want a direct link, you can go to www.hollywoodsaloon.com/radio.html, and uh, that'll tell you everything there. Randy Adam Maniac from Canada is our station manager for the Saloon Radio, and uh, a lot of you guys will know him from the forums as Marty DMC12. 
and uh, he is a huge soundtrack fan, and he is putting together a lot of great stuff over there for Saloon Radio. And uh, right now, it's it's mostly just it's default music. That, I mean, you come on there, and it's just soundtracks and soundtracks and soundtracks. But we're building up a schedule of shows also, and we're going to start off with three of them. One's called Electric Cinema. And that's going to be like just techno music, electronic music, all that kind of stuff for movies. Another one will be, will be called Comic Book Hour. And you'll hear soundtracks from Batman, Superman, The Hulk, X-Men, all that kind of stuff. It's specifically geared. If you're into that kind of stuff, you're going to get that kind of music. And then another fun one that we have that we started is the 80s movie lunch. And, you know, in the middle of the day, you come on, you listen, and you get, oh, you know, but loose, flash dance, you know, every Kenny Loggins song you've ever heard in the world, okay, from all those movies. There it is, Saloon Radio, our big announcement. I think you're going to like this. Uh, go and check it out. Go to the page, and you, you can go over to Live 365. There's different ways you can listen to it. You can listen to it with commercials. You can pay a monthly fee, and you don't have to listen to commercials. It's however you want to do it. Um, it's kind of a work in progress now. We're building this thing up. We have a lot of great plans for this and how it's going to go. Um, but we're right now, we're starting it out. Uh, we have, like I said, big plans. It's, it's going to be fantastic. It is fantastic. So uh, check it out, Saloon Radio. So anyways, that's about it for the show. I do want to say that, uh, again, iTunes is doing great things for us. Uh, they've put us back up on their front page, uh, highlighted, and our numbers are, like I said, going through the roof again. Uh, really high marks. So definitely go to uh, iTunes and check us out there and uh, subscribe to us. So anyways, um, so I want to thank Annie May for being on the show. And uh, do you have any shout-outs that you want to give to anybody out there in, in, in Hollywood Saloon Land? I'd like to say hey yeah to Zachary, Zachary, and Robbie. Yeah, uh, who I know listen to the show. Yeah. Anybody else? Uh, well, of course, gotta yeah. say hello to Brock, 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 and Marty. Yeah. And uh, well, I've I've got a special place in my heart for Tyrant. <laughs> that damn Tyrant. <laughs> Hope you all are well and happy out there in the world. That's right. And so, and those are just, that's that's our forum, people. And that's what we can say, you know, come to our forums. We've got a great community there. We're, I mean, we've made a lot of friends with people over there. I mean, what do we have? 60 people there now or something like that and almost 5,000 uh, uh, posts. I mean, it's a very strong community. We've gotten to know each other. We talk movies. We talk TV. We talk just whatever comes to mind, entertainment, news, uh, the film industry. So um, it's a great place to be. So, uh, you know, you come to our forums off of the main page. It just says uh, discussion forums, and there you go. So anyways, uh, that's I, I also have to say much love to Warren and Steph. Oh, you mean the profane one? No. I just wanted to say Warren and Steph. Oh, okay. <laughs> the profane one. <laughs> our DVD master. So anyways, that's it. Uh, oh, and i got to ask you one more question. Huh? What does Chewbacca say? I can't do that sound. <laughs> I can't even do that sound. Okay, okay. Oh, oh, oh. <laughs> no, it's not good. That's that's our three-year-old's job. Okay, all right. So, so sorry about that. All right. I I can say. Uh, ask me what Leia says. What does Leia say? Help me, Obi Wan Kenobi. You're my only hope. <laughs> all right, thank you, everybody, and uh, we'll have another show for you real soon. Thank you for listening to the Hollywood Saloon. Thank you for support as usual, and we'll see you next time. You're listening to The Hollywood Saloon. Get some harder information next time.